todo el mundo. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson, author of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the film The Ventures Stars on Guitars. You are listening to the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast for people who love music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And now, on to the show. Today's guest is Mary Crya, frontwoman of a fantastic rock band, Hell Mary. I caught their performance at a Las Vegas rock club last year, and I was really blown away by Mary's talent and stage presence, and so I've been wanting to get her on the show ever since. And she's a horror fan like me, so we'll get into that as well. Welcome to the show, Mary. It is fabulously wonderful to be here. How are you today? Oh, really good. As I just mentioned, I saw you performing a few months back. It's at Counts Vamped, a really cool rock club here in Las Vegas. And I was so impressed by Hail Mary and your performance. And what I especially liked was how eclectic your set is. So I'm wondering, how do you choose the songs? Well, we had decided, uh, all of us, um, and we have very four very eclectic members, um, myself included, um, and most of a lot of bands, we'll say most of them, I'll, I'll clarify. Um, they'll do sets and they'll do music and stuff that everybody like always hears. And I'll go see bands and friends of mine I love and I love what they do. But it's like, sometimes it's just the same old song. So we decided if we were going to do covers because um, all of us all have uh, original projects as well, that we were gonna do stuff that we love to hear um, that hardly or ever anybody plays. So we just, um, each member like, throughout like five songs and we were like, Oh yeah, I dig that. Oh yeah. I dig that. Oh, I remember that song. And it's known enough. So that the people in the audience don't go, what the hell, but, <laughs> um, but it's uh, not uh, so used up that people in the audience will go, wow, what the hell the song again. So it, it's, it's a fun train that we're riding on as far as our, um, our musical selections um, we try for every show that we do, we try to learn like two more songs and just, you know, just keep adding, you know, cause it can get old really fast for us and for anybody listening. And so, um, sometimes we'll be, it'll be backstage after a show and, you know, some will pop in the head. Like, um, we do Jane's addiction song, pigs and Zen. 
And I just mentioned it for some reason. I don't know. There was a catchphrase in it, and someone back there after the show said it. And I go, oh, my God, oh, I love that song. Do you remember that song, Pigs Then? And then my guitarist, Jeff Dunn, is like, oh, yeah, I remember that song. Why don't we do it? And then, like, two weeks later, we're doing it. But <laughs> nice. we rarely ever see anybody out playing that song other than <laughs> James Addiction. So, so it's fun. And we ask for people to, you know, um, tell us, you know, when you guys, how about a song? Someone wanted to hear I Don't Care Anymore by Phil Collins. And I go, hmm. How can we pull that one off? And we did. And we just recently started doing that song and people are, are they're surprised. And that's, that's the, the fun part of our set. People, uh, anybody that comes to the show, uh, whether you know us or not, by the end of the set, there will be one song that you went, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. And that's what we're looking for when we pick our tunes. So. Yeah, I love that. So yeah, you mentioned uh, the Phil Collins song, I Don't Care Anymore. I was just reading his autobiography a couple months back, and he was talking about drum machines, of course, him being a drummer, or, right. um, you know, he, if he said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to accept a drum machine. So how does it sound with real drums? I'm assuming you actually use... It sounded, it's really good. I mean, we were, you know, I got some really nice feedback. Um from people that I didn't know, which was cool. And people that I did know, and they were like, I can't believe you did that song. I can't believe it. We don't, you know, do it traditionally. Well, it's pretty much, you know, the same format per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was recently redone by a, a major group, but we didn't even listen to that one. We just listened to the old one and we just came up with our own little chunk of chunk of way of doing it. And people, people seem to dig it. So that one's going to stay in the set for a little bit. Nice. Well, I want you to give a shout out to your band. Um, who is in the lineup? And, um, you know, maybe give me a little history of the personnel. Oh, well, of course. Um, we can start with my fabulous guitarist, which is Jeff Duncan. And he is the guitarist for Armored Saints and mm-hmm. Odin. And uh, they just came back from, uh, on a tour. We lost him for a whole month. Oh, it was brutal. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's just, I, I was floored that, that someone of his caliber um, agreed to play with me, you know, because, you know, I'm just, a, I'm just married, you know. Uh, <laughs> I played with some cool cats, but uh, but for him to uh, play with us and, in, and enjoy what he's doing, I mean, really love it. I mean, the, the, look, the look on his face after a show or, or just, he'll just go, that was real rock and roll. That's just like the coolest thing I've ever heard him say. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. So so we got Jeff. And uh, um, on bass, we have James uh, Sperry. And he is a multi-talented person, plays drums, guitar. Uh, he plays bass. Um, he uh, Jack, Jack O'Lantern of all trades, if we want to stay in the horror vein. He uh, plays with um, a group called Bong. Uh, he's doing another project with Vox. He plays with us. Um, he played, in, I think he played with Mike with Missing Persons, but I'm not sure. And to segue to that, my drummer, Mike, or Michael Masonette, he um, was uh, drummed for um, Missing Persons. Um, he has um, his band, Bong. Um, he's working with uh, the new artist, Vox, and I'm working with her as well. I don't know if you met her at all in the scene um, real up and coming, real cool girl, you know, young, fun. She's got a good rock and roll attitude. Doesn't have that, you know, girl bleh, thing. I think you know what I'm trying to say. Absolutely, but, you know, yeah. Girls I definitely want to see her. Yeah, she's going to be fun. The band is Vox, V-O-X-X, so keep a lookout for that. So they're in the studio now. I'm going in 
I think next week uh, to do some vocals with her and uh, she's fun. But, uh, but yeah, so my, my band, they're very well-rounded. We're all, we all play with different people when called upon. Jeff does rock vault. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael uh, plays with um, um, Jason Walker band when they need him. Um, I play with uh, a Tom Petty band, um, a, Leonard Skinner band when they need me. I do shows at like the Smith Center, which you're pretty new here, but it's the big center downtown and it's like a huge theater. And we've done like a 20 piece orchestra, a classic rock for fun. Yeah, I mean, to be out there with like, you know, I think it's like 2,700 or 3,000 people. And um, it's, uh, yeah, you might want to go online and look that video up. Oh, <laughs> that one looks fun. Um, but yeah, and we just, we're all, um, seasoned I sort of hate that word but seasoned players so at any point in time pretty much anybody can give us a call and we can um step up and that's what I love about my band they're they're very versatile they're willing to do like pretty much anything if it's cool and we all agree which brings me to uh, Las Vegas as a whole all of us musicians are are multi-talented and we we will help out each other if someone's singer is going to be gone or someone's bass player is going to be out of town or sick and we got to, they'll step up. And when we have list of people, we've had a lot of uh, different people over the last couple of years that have popped in and helped us out. Um, you know, because they're like, yeah, we love you guys. You guys are great. They're easy to work with. We don't really rehearse a lot because everybody does their work on their own. You know, you don't want to sit in a four hour rehearsal while, the bass player's learning his line. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but as far as the musicians in town, everybody really supports each other. You know, we, we went through a phase where people, musicians in town were uh, very, um, you know, uh, standoffish to each other, but it's gotten back to the way it was when I first moved here in the nineties where we're all just family. I mean, if you go to any show, you are going to run into another musician that, you know, in town because they're supporting another musician that's in town, you know? So, and that's groovy. And I, and I dig that. That's one of the things I really love about Las Vegas right now in the music scene. You moved at a good time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you mentioned a couple of names there you have opened for and performed alongside several icons in the rock biz. So can you name some of them or are there any fun stories you've had about meeting any of these uh, icons? I um, was uh, doing backups for several years with uh uh, Jimmy Van Zandt um, from the Skinner family. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was pretty groovy to, um, she actually, you know, I can actually tell people I actually played Freebird. Okay. Green, <laughs> but I played Freebird. I, uh, I had a stint with uh, Tommy Ray Brown, which is uh, James Brown's, well, well, he's passed away, but James Brown's wife. So I got to go on tour with him and like meet, you know, chubby checker her and little wow. materials and all these people and, you know, play at these coliseums. I mean, you know, we're just opening for him, but it's like 20,000 people. Holy crap. You know, that was my first show with them. Um, it's a little scary, but it was, it was cool. Um, uh, Gilby Clark, uh, awesome dude, guitarist from Guns N' Roses, the guitarist, uh, the present guitarist now for Guns N' Roses. We grew up together in St. Louis and we're friends with him. And, um, uh, Brad Gillis, uh, but, uh, I, I do, I did want to tell you, uh, um, my favorite, um, meet a musician. I don't know if I ever told you about Brian May from queen. 
Oh, please do. Yeah, Brian May. Wow, that's a, a legend. Yes, um, they had just performed at the MGM uh, Grand here with Paul Rogers. Um, and I actually was lucky enough uh, to uh, lucky enough to see Queen um, with Freddie Mercury in 1981. Oh, wow. So, oh, it was like, oh. Um, so yeah, so I saw him at this club uh, that I was at after their concert. And I uh, took my shot, drank it down real fast and walked over to him. And I said, hey, Mr. May, um, I just want to tell you, I love Queen. You guys are amazing. And I said, uh, because of Queen, um, my, um, my parents hate me. And he was like, what? And he goes, I said, yeah. He goes, oh, no, no. He goes, he made this girl move over. And he said, please sit down and tell me the story. <gasps> My heart <laughs> just went, holy crap. So I proceeded to uh, uh, tell him the story of my rock and roll origin of uh, studying uh, my sophomore year of college. I was studying opera, and I came home for the summer. And my friends had a band, and they said, Mary, why don't you come sing something with us? And I said, sure. And I sang Tie Your Mother Down. And I swear to God that something in my head just clicked. And I said, I do not want to continue to sing opera. I want to sing. I want to sing rock and roll. I want to find a band to sing rock and roll. And I told my parents the next day that I wasn't going back to school. And uh, whew, that was not pretty. Um, <laughs> uh, and then like uh, two months later, because it was the summer, um, I finally found a band and I went to go see them play at this venue. It was like 1500 people. And, uh, I, on their break, I said, when do you want, when can I get to audition? And they said, right now. And I was like, what? And they go, yeah, you need to pick a song on our list and get up there and sing it. I don't know these guys from Jack. I am 19. Um, and so I just said, okay, scared to death and i picked a song and i jumped up there and i pretended i was like you know uh cock shit on the block and um four days later their tour bus came rolling up my very quiet jewish neighborhood in st louis and i'm packing my stuff my mom's like well what are you doing i go well i found a band because <laughs> my their ultimatum was you know find a band by the end of the summer you're going back to school so it was four days before school started and uh, I've literally been playing ever since. And I, you know, haven't stopped. And it's, and Brian gave me a huge hug and said, that is an awesome story. And he goes, I'm going to remember that. I'm going to tell people. So I, you know, I hope that, you know, things get better with your parents. He goes, but uh, he goes, it's a pleasure and an honor. And I was like, oh my God. I think I cried for like three days after that. That um, is amazing. Well, that explains your love of covering Queen songs. And mm -hmm. you and Freddie Mercury do both have like a big operatic voice. And I didn't know before that you had studied opera. So what are the vocal techniques that you can transfer from opera to rock? Uh, the biggest one is breathing. Um, uh, opera, even though you are usually... Um, you don't like, you know, you don't move around too much when you're singing opera. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I studied uh, Italian arias and you just sort of stand there with your you know, hands sort of clasped and your back straight. I had a, a German um, teacher, Mrs. Stasny, and she would smoke camels and hit me on the shoulders with her ruler. Shoulders down, shoulders down. That's, that's all I remember her, of her. And <laughs> um, and it's the breathing. It's, it's all in. I should be able to sing a note and my stomach or my diaphragm, whatever, don't, doesn't move. Uh, being able to take in the right amount of air and doing that and then seeing rock and roll 
um, is I think the, pretty much the only thing that's kept me doing it well. Um, I'm not singing in my throat. Uh, I'm not singing in my nose. Um, I know when to move around and when to not. When I, uh, I help people and, and with lessons and stuff, the biggest thing I, I have for them is is their breathing. I said, you got to know, you know, when to, how to hold it and how to slowly let it out as you're, you know, doing your thing so you don't run out of breath. You got to know when to, you know, cut off little phrases and stuff. And it's for me, it's all been attributed to that opera training. And there's nothing, you know, that it's a full voice thing, you know. I mean... I'm a, I won't say a small girl, but I'm a little girl, but I got a pretty big mouth when I start singing. <laughs> um, and uh, and I, I thank my teacher for that. And I tell up and coming rockers and old rockers and stuff, I'm like, hey man, you just, you need to, you know, uh, coat that throat, you know, and sing in full voice and let that air resonate. And um, it is, like I said, it's, it's, I think I sing, I, I think I actually sing better now than I did probably 20 years ago. I, I don't know what that's attributed to, but it's just, Seems like it's gotten a lot easier, but I, I maybe it's because I'm just really having a really good time now when I'm playing, and the crowd and their and their attitude and their energy, and it just makes me want to be better. But yeah, if anybody can ever get um, any opera training, real opera training, they should friggin' do it because it's amazing, and it'll it'll save your throat. It'll give you longevity for years to come. When I can't hobble up on stage anymore i still want to do studio work i mean i don't know if i'm going to be mick jagger or, <laughs> well, but uh you know but i'm gonna i'm gonna go as long as i can go you have to um really really enjoy what you're doing and not necessarily mimic i don't really mimic anyone i just sing the song as if it was my song um and uh, my originals sound the same way they're they're it's my sound i really enjoyed seeing um your performance you're walking through the audience and you're connecting with people but to me that's always been and i think that's why we have uh, a huge fan base is because i try to i really do try to walk up to any new face that i see after a show and thank them because i mean without you guys we're singing to nobody you know this is true and yeah. uh, and so i try to walk up to every table and you know just say thank you thank you thank you and 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 it's cool and i've met new people that way you know met you you know yes and uh, and uh and then then you get friends uh that are going to be around for a while and so to me that's really cool and, and i stress that with um some people you know won't do that after a show but me and eh, you know i i i watch the the people when i'm on stage to see who's bopping whose head's moving, who's singing along. And, and I specifically make sure I go out and thank them because I knew, I know they enjoyed it. And uh, it's a, it's a huge compliment for them to be enjoying it and singing along. Yes. It may not be my song, but we're doing it well enough that they dig it. Um, but it's all about um, the friends that you meet, you know, every time you do a show. And I, I will probably continue to be that way. Just run around in the crowd afterwards and, you know, share drinks and stories and light people's cigarettes and, you know, whatever. And that's that's the next joy. Because once you get off stage, you're so hyped up that talking to people to me is like, it keeps me going, you know, for just a little longer for that, you know, that uh, before the candle goes out on the evening. But yeah, I, I dig it. I, I dig the people. I thank you. And I thank you. <laughs> well, well, yeah. us, so. I mean, that's, that's genuine and that's you. And that's what really shows through, which, you know, I don't think you can force something like that. So 
That is good. Oh, thanks. Yes. Thanks, mommy. So I want to take a little detour into okay. a dark side here because we both have an interest in the horror genre. And um, it really seems to be having a moment now at the box office. I'm wondering if you've seen any good horror movies lately that you can recommend, or what are some of your favorite classics that hooked you into the genre? Well, I won't say that it was really movies. I think my first horror experience would have to have been uh, the original Dark Shadows. Oh, yes, the vampire soap opera. Yeah, I remember my mom at three o'clock, I think I was uh, like four, and she said, you know, uh, stay here with your little sister, because she, you know, went to the end of the street and watched my other brothers and sisters, you know, come from school, and then she'd walk up the street with them. It was not, it's not a child um, abuse thing, people, okay? <laughs> that's, what we, <laughs> that's what they did back then. And I would sit there glued to the TV from three to 3.30 every day, watching Barnabas Collins, and I went, wow. And then later... Uh, I uh, saw Taste the Blood of Dracula with Christopher Lee, and um, that's when I truly got into vampires of the genre of the horror. Vampires are my are my thing, and uh, that's when I really got. I mean, and it, back then it, it wasn't about the blood and the gore; it was about the, those eyes. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Watch any Christopher Lee Dracula movie, and they zoom in with that little square box on his eyes, and you're mesmerized and terrorized at the same time, and it's. It's, it's, it's awesome. And I was just like, whoa. Um, and nowadays, um, I like a lot of the horror. I mean, I watch it randomly. Um, but most of my horror right now, believe it or not, comes from Japanese anime. Huh, all right. I watch yeah. a lot of horror Japanese anime because it's brutal and it's gritty and it's awesome and it's crazy. And, uh, and some of the music, if you've ever, if you ever trip on to any of the Japanese animes, the musical, um, not the scores, but like the opening and ending song. Some uh, of these cats are amazing. There's uh, there is a Japanese song that I, I'm actually going to record sometime this year in Japanese from an anime called Tokyo Ghoul. Really good story. They even did a live action of that. I think you would like that. You may need to look that up, Tokyo Ghoul. There's oh, a live brilliant. action movie of that. Yes, it's, oh, it's brilliant. Oh. But uh, Supernatural is yeah. uh, my very favorite TV show. I'm actually in two weeks going to New Orleans, home of horror, as far as I'm concerned, yes. uh, for a Supernatural convention. And I go to New Orleans every year for Halloween for like the last seven years. There's a really cool bar there called The Dungeon. You would love that place. It is dark. There's cages. It's, uh -huh. oh my God. Nice. And they play great music by anybody that you want i mean i think the first time i walked in there i heard rob, rob zombie and i think music um music and, and horror um are so um ah, they're it's 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 a it's a joined thing to me because music and horror are both anything could happen you know the anticipation uh in music it won't be the fright it'll be the excitement you know, of what songs come up next or what they're going to do on stage. And in horror, it's the, you know, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Or, oh my God, look at that. Or that ending. I, I love that, um, you know, people put the two together. I mean, Rob Zombie himself did, you know, some great stuff and, and it worked. I mean, it, it just works. If you're, if you're a horror fan, you know, 
most goth rock of any kind uh, works for me. You know, I get that feeling. I can get that creepy feeling without actually going to a creepy place. I love that that rock and roll has joined. Uh, many have joined in the the dark genre. Um, so what's coming up for you aside from the anime re-recording? Um, any shows, <laughs> albums, future plans, hopes and dreams? Uh, Lord, lots of things. Uh, we have a show coming up on the 24th at the Dive Bar. Um, it's a, a show hosted by Lucy May, and it'll be us and Vox and um, Lucy May's band, uh, my, a few other special guests. Yesterday, right after I talked to you, I got a call from Corey from Vamped. Uh, we're going to be playing on the 15th at Vamped, opening for Carolyn. So that's going to be so fun. Recording-wise, I am working with my Hail Mary now, and we're going to we're going to record. We're actually going to record our version of White Rabbit. Um, nice. People really song. seem to like the uh, harshness of it now. Um, it's one of our signature tunes, that in Heaven and Hell, but we're not going to record that one. Uh, but we're going to uh, do some originals this year. I'm going to be uh, working with Vox on some of her originals. I like to write and do lyrics so the band can do all the music. Uh, so hopefully by the end of the year, we'll, ha- we'll actually have some Hell Mary, Hell Mary. Um, I love it. Yeah, wow. So that is that is our goal. Yeah, this is 2023 is going to be really fun. I'm really looking forward to it. I want to ask my standard question here for the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. Can you please share your own personal rock and roll nightmare? I was uh, playing with a band and that was back when, you know, you do four sets, pretty much like, you know, doing the casinos here now, but it was in another state. And as much as I love being a musician, uh, it's not a full-time thing. So I do have to have a job so I can afford my lovely home. But so I was on the third night of uh, working my eight-hour shift, and oh, I'm sorry, my 10-hour shift, and then driving three hours to the venue, playing until, I don't know, three in the morning, driving back, going to work at eight, you know, and my third night, and I came home, And I decided just to lay down for a second, just a second, you know, (laughs) oh my God, I woke up at like midnight and was freaking out because my whole band's in another state waiting for me. I literally jumped in my car and drove like a bat out of hell. I'm so surprised that I didn't get a ticket just drove and drove and got there like for the last half hour of the Oh set. my gosh. Uh, because it was, uh, you know, before like cell phones and uh, yeah, so it, it was, it was scary um, to, to do that. To I mean, cause I was driving like crazy cause I was in Missouri and I had to go to Indiana and uh, oh my God, it was just that, that to me was like the hugest, hugest nightmare or my hugest fear um, is to, um, miss a show or be late for a show. That's like a, a reoccurring thing with me that um, I've had dreams where I've like missed the show or um, I got up on stage and couldn't sing, you know, uh, those that scares me a lot all the time. But that one was probably like the hugest nightmare of letting all these people down. But yeah, that that was to me probably my my biggest nightmare Mm-hmm. Um, where is the best place to find and follow you online or to find out about um, upcoming shows? Um, we have uh, the Hail Mary uh, Facebook and Instagram. 
we always were pretty much in rotation at Vamped. That's pretty much a standard place for us, which we love. Um, and most of the, the great local shows um, and um, intimate uh, large band shows are there. So everybody definitely Vamped is a wonderful place to go, but go on the website. You can always pretty much see us. Special guest, Hail Mary. Um, but yeah, uh, anybody that wants to hear a song, one of their favorites that's not normally played, jot it down, you know, on Facebook or Instagram or tell me at the end of the show. And uh, we'll always keep you in uh, our thoughts when we're deciding what our next uh, new song is going to be. I love it. Taking requests. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you, Mary. I really appreciate getting to know you better. And uh, we'll definitely get some new uh, blood at the shows for you. Yes, yes. Please <laughs> bring them all out. I do love my blood. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks. And thank you so much for having me on, sweetie. All right. You take care. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Yes. All right. <laughs> bye. Bye. Rock drummer Jim Gordon was in the news this week. Uh, he passed away on March 13th while serving his sentence for murder at the California Medical Facility, a medical and psychiatric prison in Vacaville, California. The audiobook for Rock and Roll Nightmares True Stories Volume 2 is in progress, so I'm going to read a couple of short passages from the book about Jim. This is from the chapter Love Hurts. James Jim Beck Gordon was considered a genius musician. Not only was he a brilliant drummer, but that's him on the ivories at the end of Derek and the Dominoes' incredible anthem to Forbidden Love, Layla. He was credited with writing the mournful piano coda for that track, but Rita Coolidge says she wrote it for a song called Time While They Were Dating. Many witnesses have come forward since saying that it's true. Bobby Whitlock, who played keyboards for Derek and the Dominoes, said, Jim took the melody from Rita's song and he didn't give her credit for writing it. Her boyfriend ripped her off. Born July 14, 1945 in L.A., Jim was always drawn to music. His parents, both hardworking professionals, encouraged their son to follow his dream. He went on the road at age 17, backing the Everly Brothers, then was hired by studio drummer Hal Blaine of The Wrecking Crew. Jim performed on records ranging from the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds to Helen Reddy's I Am Woman, played drums on the majority of Steely Dan's album Pretzel Logic, and performed on three tracks of Alice Cooper Goes to Hell. Jim Gordon was married in the 60s, had a daughter, and divorced. He dated Rita Coolidge, ending their relationship with a single punch. His father died in 1973, which deeply affected him. He bought a Ferrari and wrecked it while driving drunk. He married and divorced again after just six months. His mental state deteriorated and he was in and out of the hospital. He choked a girlfriend, nearly killing her. Through it all, he played the drums and played them to perfection. Music was the only thing that held him together. But it wouldn't last long. For the whole story, which includes his murder conviction, Check out Rock and Roll Nightmares True Stories, Volume 2.
This concludes another episode of Rock and Roll Nightmares. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson. The theme song, Out for Blood, is composed and sung by Lars with a Z, Cabot, and the band is Fuzzbuster. This is an indie podcast, so your subscriptions and ratings are really important. Thank you for joining me, and until next time...